be at. It's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to the mums there. You're welcome. It's really neat. Everyone's had a mum. and Yeah, I know. It's amazing. It's really cool. Right, so tonight, I just want to chat about, I guess, thinking about Mother's Day and, and bits and pieces, and I find this, this process useful. I, I don't know if you did last week. If you're back again, I, I guess you would. Well, that would be if you had a consumeristic value of church. Um, you'd be back if you found it useful. But because we have a family value of church, we're back anyway because we just like each other. Uh, but I, I like, except Steve. <laughs> we like you. <laughs> How you feel about us, well, that's up for debate, I guess. But one of the things I, I wanted to chat about with that, I told a story this morning about um, Betty O'Connell. For those that weren't here, I'll... Um, regale you for those that were, you get to enjoy it again. Betty O'Connell, uh, yeah, she was she was a mum, really, you could just describe her as a mum, first and foremost, and she was someone, if you went into her house, you'd go into the spare room of a house, and you'd find a wardrobe that's full of baby clothes of all different sizes, just lined up in different sizes through there, and then you'd, you'd have this little dresser with all little baby bonnets all stacked up in different sizes there and, and the bassinet was always there ready because she was ready for a phone call at any moment to, to hear that phone ring and to let that phone ring because at any moment she get a call um, just to look after uh, a baby and, and, and take it into her care. She was officially a foster carer, and a, um, an emergency foster carer and during her time she was 65 and she'd had 77 different children through her through her house. On average, she had about seven or eight a year through her house, and some stayed for a day or two up to about four months. They'd stay in her care. Um, obviously, all different situations, abandoned, abused, neglected, different things, but she did this. And, and you might think, oh, she was always framed that way, but the place that sort of took her to there is that earlier in her life, her son Ian passed away, and um, hanging out with some mums that have been through that at the loss of their sons, I can identify with the story and, and what I've seen in, in, in people's lives and faces that the absolute um, distraught and devastation that that brings. And it doesn't just bring a devastation at that time, but so much so. I um, remember looking just even this last Christmas into the eyes of, of a lady who'd lost her son last year and seeing the absolute devastation in her world at Christmas and these significant events that... Um, Anyway, so she went through this world of pain for a number of years until finally she was sort of coming out of it and um, felt inside her there was something more to, to give and she saw this ad looking for foster carers and so she rang up and, and, and that thing. And, and so she was asked the question of, like, why do you do this? What, what is it for? It must be really hard. And she's like, well, actually most people think that babies um, bring disorder, that they're the disordered ones. Well, actually adults are disordered ones. Babies just have it right. My job is just to fall in love with these babies. And in there, I, I see a heartbeat that I see in the heart of Jesus. And in this age of the church and in this age of our nation, I see a heartbeat there that is so vital. Um, most of you have probably heard me talk about before uh, when we, just Susan and I took Josiah to, to childcare. So if you've heard this about five or 600 times, I'm sorry, um, this is for the one or two in the room that haven't, is we, we took Josiah to a childcare as you do when you're both working and need someone to look after your kid and you don't have any grandparents living in the same city as you. 
and so you do that. But we, we took them in and, and filled out the forms and I remember sitting there and the lady looking across the desk at us and going, oh, that's really bizarre. I'm like, uh-oh, what's, <laughs> what's wrong? Are we in trouble? I'm like, what, what, what's bizarre about it? Oh, you've all got the same last name. And I just remember sitting there going, wow, that's, that's just really sad that this is an unusual thing that we've all got the same surname. But it, it shows that the concept of family is no longer the core of society. If we look at our nation, what used to be the basis of our tax system and the basis of how our society was formed was all around the family. So you got people, what you'd have is years ago, you had singles that were really upset with the taxation system and started protesting and, and hitting up the government going, we need more things because there's all these tax break, breaks for people with children. I don't have children. Why don't I get tax breaks? And so there's all this push against um, trying to break down the nucleus of family. And what's happened as a result of that is the government's listened and society has shifted and its values about what makes up a core family and a base family. No longer is it mum, dad, and, and children. Um, that's really no longer the the core element that you, you describe as family in our, in our, in our nation. And, and so our tax system has changed to reflect that. And that's also then pushed people how they shape their family differently because no longer do they shape dad, at home, um, dad working, mum at home looking after the kids because no longer does our tax system give enough benefit or break to that to allow that to happen and be shaped and formed. Um, and thus my wife works and other families in the room <laughs> mum's work and because it, it just our nation doesn't allow that anymore in, in how it's formed and most of you guys here I guarantee it's not going to reshape by the time you guys are, are having your families either now with that we know in this room most of us have got mum dad at home or, or something like that I think that would be a majority sort of situation well, actually probably half half if you around to think about what's going on and um, that's that's probably a reality it actually I think at one point we were looking at um, Shayla High and 20% and of the students there had biological mum and dad at home. And so this whole concept of family has, has broken down. And so you guys have all heard me talk about um, spiritual parents and spiritual parenting. And based off, the, the whole concept's based off this verse um, or these two verses. Look, in the, I'm sending you the last two verses of the Old Testament. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Isn't that a great word, dreadful? Um, it will be like, oh, that's not the right verse. There we go. Let's go back to where I am. Um, his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. Um, and so I just put that there, and I, I guess there's something inside me, obviously, that's birthed about this and that God's done and, and, and stirred up and has been stirring up for many, many years. Um, but one of the things I, I want to ask is this, is um, the concept of spiritual parents. Um, what do you view that to be? Is it important? Um, what does a spiritual parent look like? How is it different? I'm asking a lot of questions here, and let's just tackle however something might stir inside you, and we'll talk about it. Um, so, is spiritual parenting important? What's it look like? How is it different to biological parenting? What's it take to be a spiritual parent? What's it take to be a spiritual children, child to someone like that? So, there's a bunch of questions in there which I'm happy to tackle and ask, and I just ask them all to give us a base point to start talking, and I um, just want to throw it out from there and let this take direction at some point. 
take a moment, think that over, see if something inside you forms and add, discuss, question, something. Alex has a microphone. This is for recording purposes. Um, not that we need a microphone to hear each other, that's why my voice is still a microphone. It's not so that you need a microphone to hear me, it's just I'm loud enough. You're not okay with silence. Okay, anyone got a comment or a thought or more specific person? Is spiritual parenting important? Yes. Okay, please explain your answer. Yes. <laughs> Why is spiritual parenting appointment uh, important? Uh, I'll give you like. Do you want this in like a three-act structure? <laughs> no. Um, sweet. So, uh, firstly, what is a spiritual parent? Who knows? Um, yeah, who knows? <laughs> I suppose to me a spiritual parent is someone who is more mature in the spirit than you. They can be older than you or younger than you, depending on where you are and who you are, like how old of a, how mature of a Christian you are sort of thing. Um, to me, Scott, you're, you're one of my spiritual buddies, a spiritual parent. Oh, look at you. Old enough to be my uncle. My older cousin. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's, it's important to help your growth as a Christian to learn and listen from someone who knows more and has more experience than you and is wiser than you. Hooray. Um, you mentioned in there can be older, younger, same age, different age. Comments, thoughts on that? Chloe has something to say. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got a number of spiritual parents. Um, some of them I've known for very short amounts of time. Some of them I've known for years and years and years. And, yeah, mine, I think mine are all older, I think. Yeah. And um, when I have um, dramas and problems and everything, then that's who I go to. I'll go to my mama bear, but if she's got her own stuff going on, I'll just go and find someone, catch up for a coffee, ask them if we can hook up. It's awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, like they don't have to be, um, sorry, rather, uh, spiritual parents can also fill a gap in your family, like in your blood family. Like for me, it's it's spiritual grandparents. I'm I have one remaining grandparent, and to me, older people 
in the spirit of what I'm, what I want, what I'm looking for. And they're the ones who speak the most into my life. Like I'm always trying to sit next to Elaine down in the third row. Like I'm always there. I'm just like, ah, love to talk to her, love to hang out with her. So yeah, they can, they can fill gaps if you're missing a father or a mother. It's what, they, it's what they're good for. Why Elaine? Why Elaine? Yeah. She reminds me of my grandma. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> But I'm, I'm just curious. I'm picking on this. Yes, that's cool. Um, is it anybody that's older or been a Christian longer? I think it's along the lines that as a parent, you help to bring your children up, you teach them, you correct them. So it's not just about a learning system, it also can be correction um, and also helping them to mature and grow in their own walk with God, just like a parent teaches their children to walk, a spiritual parent should be there to be able to help teach a young Christian to walk mm -hmm. and then to run. Um, and it doesn't have to be someone older. It's just someone that's more mature in the Lord than what you are. So someone older than in Jesus. Someone older in Jesus, yes, hopefully. But not anybody. There's got to be a relationship there. There's got to be trust. Um, and that sometimes takes time. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes takes socialising mm -hmm. rather than insulating. That's why it's, mm -hmm. I like it you're like here at Calvary because... Older people are encouraged to mix with younger people, not just have totally separate things. And a lot of things can be learnt that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a relationship there, just like a parent has with their child. Yep. A spiritual parent has a similar relationship, but on a spiritual basis. Mm. But I think it's important you've also got that um, social sort of interaction as well to a point where you, you've learnt what that person's like, you've learnt that their personality and yours sort of gel together and you can, you're happy to sit down and listen to what they have to say. So some avenue of a deeper relationship than yes. just going, yeah. you're older, you're younger. It's more than a teacher is what you're saying. It's There's more, a than, level just, of it's more than teaching. You can, get, teacher. you can come to church on Sunday and get teaching from the pulpit. Mm. But it's more the deeper, more personal things that you can't get just sitting in a pew, mm -hmm. that you can question and query and... You know that you you can make mistakes and your spiritual parent will pick you up, mm. dust you off mm. and let you trundle mm. off and make another mistake. Yep. But they'll always be there to help pick you up and help to sit you back on the right path. Yep. Does anyone take issue at the term spiritual parent? I'm just curious. See, go, I'm not sure if that's a Jesus thing. Or not. That's all right. No, please. Yeah, not really taking issue, but, like, I, I'm more fond of, like, spiritual, like, brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. um, because, like, you know, the verse says, you know, it's, it's both uh, the father's heart turning to the sons and the sons turning to the fathers. And um, I don't know, I'm kind of, like, reminded of, like, Jesus telling us to have, like, childlike faith and how, like, the learning goes both ways from, you know, parent to child. And so I think I, 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 I really like the parenting. Um, you know, we, like, we've modeled it off. Um, you know, we, we can model the relationship off a, um, a parent and a child. 
so you know a parenting relationship but i still really like um you know brothers and sisters as well um there's an aspect of greater family that you think is, is yeah. vital and family like, yeah I, I think the parenting you know yep. metaphor has yeah good merit and it's really good um but it's not like the be all and end all um yeah that was my <laughs> yeah. i've come across that. people that, that have sat there and gone um oh, I, I i don't need anyone else i've got mum and dad why do I need someone else? Just like ordinary growing up, you don't learn everything from your parents. Mm. You do learn a lot from your peers, mm. both good and bad. Yep. You learn from other family members, uncles, aunts, grandparents, and like Sarah said, grandparents. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's more your, your family. Mm. You've got to look at it as, you know, I don't know, just more than just a parenting thing. There's mm -hmm. a lot of kids learn a lot more from their, they'll talk to their, their aunt, say. Mm-hmm a lot more than they will to their mm -hmm. own parent. They can be more open with them because they find that their parents, they think, are going to be judgmental on things that their aunt won't be, They'll or uncle, get into more mischief with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we're okay with this term, and, and I th obviously I am because I talk about it a lot, what's the, um, what's the role of a spiritual mum or dad? Well, I've been a spiritual mum to many people over the years, so it's been across churches. It's now expanding outside the walls of the church. And I don't go out looking, it just happens. And I turn around and all of a sudden, people are calling me mum. <laughs> but in a really good way. And it's just um, being so there. Let me, let me step back a bit then. What went on in you to allow that to happen? Because I know a lot of Christians that have been around and just talking to someone the other day, actually, and they're like, oh, I just don't like kids, I don't like other people, really. <laughs> they just sort of want to walk their own thing. And um. Jesus. <laughs> it's just really being focused on Jesus and being in the Word. And the deeper you are in the Word, the more you get a Him. And the more on fire you are for Him, you can't help it. People want that. I mean, you hear those words. I can't think of a better way to say it. But then people want that but they're seeing it through the filter of the problems of their lives. So some people will come to me who are on drugs, like mm -hmm. ice, things like that. Um, girls from the Hope Foundation. So people with really severe problems, but knowing, okay, there seems to be something that they're magnetised to Jesus, mm -hmm. but don't get it. Some I'm with now cannot still walk into a church. Uh, so they'll come to my house so we're doing Bible studies mm. so that they're getting closer and they're really, really getting it. And then as they go or I go, it's bye, mum, bye, daughter. <laughs> so I got a few little texts this morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So being there. Bye. <laughs> I was just going to add sometimes too, spiritual parenting doesn't have to be 
a long-term continuous thing. You can mm -hmm. be a spiritual parent to someone that just comes in, sees that you may be able to fulfil a need or answer a question. You do that and they're off again. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the big thing with a spiritual parent is, if you're in that role, is to see whoever you're parenting or being an uncle, aunt, brother, sister to, um, mature to the point where they can pretty much stand on their own two feet, mm. but you still hopefully maintain that relationship where you're there for each other mm. and see them like any parent, much as you want your kids to stay kids, they're going to grow up and move off and, and form mm. other relationships and other things. You want to do that, see that spiritually in your spiritual children. So a large aspect of that, picking up on that last bit you said, is having a vision for people to actually fulfill purpose uh, of God in their lives. Um, interesting thing there is like in John 3, um, because I mean, that, that verse there is talking about um, Elijah. Now, if we look at scripture, John was the spirit of Elijah. He's the one that came in the spirit of Elijah preaching before Jesus. So that, that's who that's refer referring to. Um, and so coming before Jesus, he came preaching. And so who he points to, there's this aspect within there. And so in John 3, um, John's disciples are having a, a bit of a sook because all, all John's church is going over to Jesus' church. They're, they're all baptizing people. And oh, yeah, there's tea and coffee if anyone wants tea and coffee. Michael's about himself with his brother. And, and so is Daniel. That's good. And so... The disciples are having a big sock. Everyone's leaving our church and going over to Jesus' church. What are you going to do about it, John? Because they recognized that Jesus had actually come through under John in his ministry and had been baptized by John. So he was the disciple of John. And there was a deeper connection between them actually being cousins as well, even though John was only a couple months older than Jesus um, within that. So, but John sits there and starts talking about a wedding going on and then finishes with a statement. Um, he must increase and I must decrease. Going, I came before him, he went after me, but I want him to do so much better than I ever did. And that's why I, I love this term rather than actually talking about mentoring or anything like that because a mentor focuses about them leaving a legacy and about what they can do, whereas a parent's concentrating on someone doing greater than what they can do. I want my kids to be so much greater than I ever could be. And that's what John was pointing about with Jesus, is, is being greater. Later on in John, Jesus is talking about uh, the love of the Father and the love of God. And that he has to go, So, and the whole cross has to happen. In John 15, Jesus is talking about this, um, that the whole cross has to happen so that we might be able to see the love of God because he, we see the love because we're chosen and appointed for a purpose. And so there's these three aspects in there which really warrant and merit what uh, a mum and dad should aim at putting in their children. And that's one affection, two identity, and three purpose. That's why I, I, I like this. And, and I mean, you were mentioning Jen, um, um, Jenny, about the fact that there's these people that you don't know, but all of a sudden there's this, this heart relationship going on. Sarah, before I was trying to push you in that um, with Elaine, it was someone, she's someone that's there and you've seen, 
but you can't put a tangible thing on it. But there is something that's gone on, kingdom and identity and purpose and an affection that's been formed. And I'd probably warrant if I asked Elaine about it, she'd say, I don't know what it is, but I feel something about that young girl. There's, there's something I like about her. There's something that more than a bunch of other young girls, it's something about there. And there's this intangible affection that gets formed in the spirit that goes on about it. And so it's not just, that's what I was trying to ask, is it everybody? But no, no, it's not everybody because there's an affection and a love straight up. And then helping people find a purpose and an identity, helping them know their identity and then fulfill their purpose. This is the bit I've always struggled on, that last bit, is um, I've helped people and got them to a, a point, but then launching into a fullness of saying that's the one I really want to go after and I'm, I'm really chasing Jesus after. Um, like I've got a mate who... He was over in, oh, where was he? In Turkey, I think it was. No, not Turkey. Um, Egypt. They were over in Egypt, and he was setting up a coffee cart business. And the reason he was setting up a coffee cart business because he'd been hanging out with this bunch of guys praying, and he was sending them out as missionaries. But he was creating a place where they could actually have an employment and funding where they were doing their mission work. That's something that only a parent would do, not a mentor setting them up, training them in the things and purpose and their call and identity of God, but then actually giving them a place to succeed. John did that for Jesus. I mean, Jesus went around preaching, but he started really well. You think about the first thing he did is he actually took two of John's best leaders. John chapter 1, he's walking along and John's sitting there and he goes, hey, look, there's the Lamb of God, so what happens? Andrew and Philip um, wonder, I'll go, hang on, that's cool. So Andrew, I don't know, we don't know what they were doing, but Andrew could have been the worship director of John's church and, and Philip the executive pastor, and they've gone, because we know that they were following him, they were, they were senior leaders in John's church, and they've gone, okay, bye-bye, we're going after Jesus. And John had no issue with this because he goes, that's the, that's the greater thing and we're going to plant that and launch that. I want to get to that point where I send off my best leaders to plant something and do something new. And, and you might say, oh, but you're growing something. Yeah, no, but I want to, I'd rather send off our best people to do something new and great. And I don't fully know how to do that yet. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm running at. And... Uh, but that's where it's different. So, so that's it. I mean, we've talked about parenting things. What's it take from the other side then? Because obviously it's nice as a kid to sit there, and my kids do this, and, and even this afternoon we're, we're down the shops and going, oh, mum, we're behaving at the shops. What can we have? What treat can we have? Well, I'll tell you what treat you can have. You can not have a smacked bottom when you get home. That's a special treat for behaving, isn't it? <laughs> five prizes. Yeah, five prizes on your backside. <laughs> Does the question make sense? Yes. I did. What's it take to be a spiritual children, child? What's it take from the other side of the relationship? Yeah, it takes a heart open and willing to serve. They say you can't learn to lead without first following. So 
Yeah. You, s- you listen and you learn. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, the verse starts, it says, the hearts of the fathers turn to the children. So that's where people who've been in Jesus a while, we have to have a heart. And I think most of us in the room, we've been in Jesus a, a while. How long have you known Jesus now? Seven years? There you go. You've been in Jesus ages. Heaps. So you should be recreating what's inside you and other people. Yeah? That's, that's just the reality of what it looks like. Um, so go and do that this week. Um, and so that, that's the first part but then the second part it, it also continues on and says well the hearts of the sons will turn to the fathers and that's a unique thing because that doesn't happen in our world too easily like stupid old people doing nothing would you get out of our way and just let us do something right? oh, what, are you, what are you trying to tell me that for you don't know anything yeah. So what's it take from a from the other way looking up? What's it, what's the heart of a child turning to the fathers, or a heart of a young generation turning to an old generation? What's that look like and smell like and taste like and feel like? You have to be willing to learn from the mm-hmm. older people yeah. too. Teachable, and yeah. Yeah. That's all I wanted. Yeah, no, neat. Teachable is an important quality. Very important quality. Also up for that person to ask, can I see you? Can we talk? Because as the spiritual parent, we don't want to keep imposing. Mm. We'll just send out little connections, but we don't want to port, push ourselves on people. Mm. So as soon as someone puts their hands up, we're willing. We want to be there for them. Mm. So ask. Before anything can actually happen, there has to be that relationship of trust there in the beginning as well. Because without the trust, like they might, they might be more mature as a Christian. They might have known them for years, but they might not have any relationship with them at all. So before they trust them with anything spiritual going on in their lives, they've got to actually have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't really have spiritual parents outside of my family. Yep. And that okay. is, I have, like Michael was saying, spiritual brothers and sisters mm-hmm. here, like my friends pastors etc but my spiritual parents the closest thing to that would be would probably be my grandparents and even then i remember growing up i didn't really want to listen to anything they had to say especially anything christian even though i was a christian but you know i know everything because i mean i still do but (laughs) (laughs) sorry yeah yeah sunday school taught me everything easter it was great but yeah but you've got to have that relationship there like I went over to my grandparents today, and um, even there, they were just like, oh, and everything, everything ends up relating back to God. Um, in every conversation you have, we were talking about tools and ended up going back to God. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. But if I didn't have that relationship there with them, which I didn't have until a couple of years ago, there's no way I'd even ask them to be a spiritual parent or consider them that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't think it requires anything. Because when someone first comes to know Jesus, they don't know anything. So if it required a whole bunch of them, it would require them to reach a certain level or something there to then step into that. Like we were saying, you've got to have trust. But that is built from a, a push from the spiritual parents. Um, we uh, look at spiritual parents and what and how they raise children, you know, spiritual children and all that, and they're to teach them and to they're to grow, help grow them and help them through problems and all that sort of stuff. I think a whole bunch of that is learning how to be teachable, learning how to be obedient. All of that sort of stuff has to come from somewhere, and I think that all comes partly from spiritual parents. Mm-hmm. You got to trust them, yes, but. I just think if someone walked into knowing Christ, would we expect a whole lot of them for them to have spiritual parents, or would we just want to just pour out into them, mm. you know, the desire of wanting to, to give to them? It, uh, mm. You know, all of that sort of stuff will come, that, that teachable spirit, that obedience, all that sort of stuff will just come as part of the relationship and as part of the growth and as part of the raising them up, but... I just don't think I don't think you can set out a requirement of the kids like is there a time before they're actually a child No you're either a child or a parent are you not I I think there's others outside this I would say that yeah um not all Christians that have been Christians for ages are parents Mhm I'd definitely say that. Yeah. Um, but they'd yeah, be yeah. children. They're children. I'd say there's a lot of um, a lot of Christians who aren't children. Uh, yeah, yeah, babes, babes in it, and that um, haven't actually because here it's talking about the primary thing of this and and you mentioned it in there and you mentioned it in there and you mentioned it in there and you mentioned it and you mentioned it and you mentioned it is relationship and affection um if someone pours out someone's become a christian and become new and there is a a love that's poured out and someone identifies something there's a there's an elaine that sees them and goes something of the kingdom of god and connection there or you shoot something out and they just I'm not responding to that. I'm not going to be there. I don't want anything. Well, they haven't entered into a a child aspect yet. They haven't allowed themselves to be a child. They're saying, I'm an island and my own thing out here. And I haven't stepped into being in relationship. didn't want anything to do with him. He was still their grandchild, but the relationship was still there, and he was still a child in that. Mm. I just think if we require so much of children in that sense, then we're just putting a bar too high for them to reach. Like, it's... Okay, so you're looking at a rule set. I'm not looking at a rule set to place on anyone here. But that's that's what you're asking. Like, what does it require of the child? What has got to be inside the child to respond yeah, definitely. I, I don't think it has to be anything. Then what's this verse say? The hearts of the children will turn to the fathers. There you go. 
What's that look like then? What's it actually look like for the heart to turn? To get to that point where they say, yes, I'm going to respond and be a child in this relationship, in this situation. The, the impressing so of what, the, what happened the here? parents. What, what happened inside you that switched from being someone who had these people yearning for you and longing for you, and then all of a sudden you've gone now, yeah, I'm going to enter into that relationship. What has transformed and switched and changed and... I think it was spending more time with them, building more of a relationship. Like, I had, I had a relationship as a grandparent, yeah. grandchild. But for the spiritual parent to the spiritual child, I think it was... I, I worked with my granddad recently, and I spent every day with him, and every day he was just inputting into my spiritual life and inputting and inputting and inputting. And I think in the end, I kind of just surrendered, I think it was. It's, 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 it sounds like a defeated kind of way of putting it, but it's, it's pretty much exactly what I did. Yeah. But like, that was recently, but that was you know, a long time ago, a couple of years ago, when I was kind of like, okay, I actually want input from them now. I want to be able to talk about Christian things with them, understand more. But I just want to bring up this as well. There's spiritual parents, and that's relationship. But what about responsibility? So we were, coming, uh, we were saying before about like when someone new enters the kingdom of God, they don't necessarily have a relationship but there's going to be spiritual parents, which I suppose if you think of like a child that doesn't have a parent, they go and get foster care and, you know, someone adopts them or they take them into their home. The kid doesn't necessarily love them. The kid's just like, yeah, you're just here because, you know, I've got to live somewhere. So it's kind of like a duty of care. So it's our responsibility as Christians to parent people that come into, uh, into the kingdom. So a way, of, I guess, reframing what I'm saying then, a way of being effective as a child in that relationship. Okay? Does that, does that work for a better way of saying it? So we're always a, okay, always a child, whether we're responding in that or being a disobedient rat bag, um, as a lot of us know how to be really well. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm really good at that. Um, I got called all these wonderful... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, was, what was the word? That I, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Trying was, <laughs> was one of the adjectives that I grew up under. <laughs> I was a very trying child. Very trying, yes. <laughs> That's a generational term. All you guys go, what are you on about? I don't really understand what it meant either. So. Yeah, uh, yeah says, thank you. Yes. Yeah, my mum does. So. Someone says I'm trying, and your parent immediately says, "Yes, you're very trying." Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. Um, not try hard, okay? Stop that, Tom. <laughs> and um, but yeah, so at some point you went from being an ineffective child to an effective child, or and uh, something in there. And you said what happened in you for that was you used the word surrender. So something switched where you did this your heart turned and your heart went towards them and now that relationship is bearing a lot more fruit. It's a lot more transformative. It's a lot more helpful on your identity and your purpose and to understand love and and affection and all that. Um, We've heard the word teachable. Okay. Um, I was just going to throw in, we're talking about relationships and parents and children, but with relationships, even with parents, there is a point usually involving puberty where the parent has certain authority and the kid wants to rebel against it and not listen to it. But with the whole of relationship within society as a whole, you have figures of authority that 
and it changes. It changes with your maturity level from a point where you tell a young child, you tell a toddler, don't do that. There's no explanation is needed. Why not? Because I told you to or I told you not to. Go and clean your room. Why? Because I told you to. But that then develops where they get older and you can start discussing certain aspects and go into more detail. Mm. And I don't think any of us ever stop being the child because no matter what you do in your life, no matter how old you get, you will always have something you can learn. Mm. And it may not be from... I mean, you can learn from your children. You may be the parent, they may be the child, but they'll some, especially no. small children, will come out with yeah. such deep truths that the parent also has to be willing to listen carefully and be aware that that might yeah. have some validity with what the child's as, saying. As students share with the yes. teachers. Exactly. And the same thing. Students are teaching you and they have a position of authority, but they're not your parent but they are parenting you in that they're teaching you a specific thing. And I think spiritually sometimes, what Brendan was saying, when someone becomes a new Christian, before that re personal relationship can occur, there is always going to be a certain amount of, well, he's the pastor or the youth leader or he's the one up front talking, so I need to listen to what they're saying. Yeah, it's, like it's not because of a relationship on a personal basis, it's because... Everyone that's new at something recognises they've got something to learn and need to listen to someone that may be able to teach them something. And then out of that, other relationship can form. Um, share this. Um, Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He's, I've been talking about different people he speaks with, different churches, and Paul, it's funny, uh, mentioned last week that he, a lot of people see him as a hard man, but try read the letters to the Ephesians, Colossians, and, and Philippians and, and try and say that he's not this emotional, loving dad. And so he says this to the Corinthians, probably the, the church that he gives the biggest whip out to and, and really gets up them and, and sort of gets stuck in. They write him a letter at one point and ask him all these questions, and he spends six chapters telling them the answers to the questions they should have been asking in the first six chapters of 2 Corinthians, and then he sort of says that, now in relation to what you've been asking me about here, I'm actually going to answer that now, but this is what is actually important, and, and really puts the boot in him. You think you're doing really well and acting in grace, but you've got these people there that are like guys sleeping with his um, mother-in-law and all this stuff that shouldn't be happening, and you're saying, aren't we great because we're allowing this to happen and being accepting of this person in church, even though they're being absolutely... Well, um, I can see that now, Stan. <laughs> um, anyway, so he says this um, to the Corinthians. Now, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my children. And so he, he's obviously really connected in this and that there's something greater. Um, even though you have 10,000 guardians or probably a, a, a translation that makes more sense of that is teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Now, here's one of the things there. See how it says many fathers? See how it doesn't say you only have one? Many? Um, you don't have many, so, but not lots. So there's not lots of people that are going to fulfill this role in your life. But there, there's definitely probably going to be more than one. Your biological is, 
if you're in Jesus, like I'm going to be part of that to my children, but I don't expect that I'm going to pass on everything to them in the kingdom of God. Um, and But one of the things that happens and is definitely needed is you don't have mum and dad at home that know Jesus and love Jesus. We need somewhere to redeem that. You definitely need a place to redeem that. And that's what this is all about, is redeeming that aspect of the identity and love of Christ. And Anyway. Um, many fathers, for in Christ I became your father through the gospel. And so, so Paul's saying there, there is an element of those that you save and bring to Jesus. You become a dad to them or a mum to them or, or, or a parent to them at that point because you're bringing them up as, as babes. But then outside that, there's more that he comes. Um, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. How to the children, to the fathers, what's it look like for you? Imitate him. So what does that look like as a parent? Well, actually, you've got to spend enough time with them so that they can see what you look like at your best and at your worst. There's a lot of pressure in that. Um, sorry, I'm so used to doing that from the thing. Um, so it takes... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It takes a lot of vulnerability yeah. as the parent, like as yeah. a spiritual parent or the mentor or whatever. You have to have you have to be able to have enough confidence and know who you are in Christ to be able to fall down and absolutely yeah. stuff up and really, you know, cause a bit of damage and still be able to go back and have <laughs> that relationship where you can say, Man, forgive me, like that was and I, like that's how I, that's when I see, um, yeah, that's when I see that connection being made is when both parties have that beautiful humility, mm. that Christ-like humility that's like, yeah, I'm definitely not perfect. I can learn from you, baby girl. Like I can tell my nine-year-old Emma, I, I'm just learned something from you. You're amazing. And then she'll get on a high horse. So <laughs> then it's like, oh gosh, yeah, but it's very beautiful. Something about nine and, and child development in that book. Oh, thank you. I um I actually was <laughs> I was thinking about when you were saying about there will be there won't be many fathers. And um I think as kids looking for people to input into our lives and spiritual parents got to think long and hard about who you want to speak into your heart, who you're going to have speak into your life. I don't think you just pick up the closest Christian who's been a Christian or has a more developed relationship with Jesus in you. There's something very special and unique between a parent and a child and there's a beautiful unconditional love and a, a dynamic that goes on but in that relationship that's very beautiful and I don't think it's just going to happen with anyone. It's something that, you know, I, when I look for, you know, I've had a few spiritual parents outside of my own biological parents in my life and it's been something where it's happened because what's inside them is very like what's inside me and even though we all have Jesus, we have different flavours <laughs> and there's something that, you know, I'm like, I want that person to speak into my life. I want more of that. That's what you know, that's what I'm after. And so I think that it's, that really rung true when Scott was reading the word about there won't, 
be many fathers. It's like there will be some and it will be more than one but it will be a very special, unique bond and it will be when you look for that person and when you – there will be a, a, a gel that happens. It's a natural, organic relationship that will just form and they'll be able to speak life into your life and they'll want more for you than they want for themselves. Anyway, that's my point. Yeah. I mean, one thing with that, like um, I was reading a, a while back, um, one of my mates put me on to this book, um, oh, Above the Line, Below the Line, uh, by Peter McHugh, and he's a pastor down in Melbourne and was looking at it going, oh, this, this is really neat, really resonating with what it was saying there. It was picking apart what a disciple looked like and how that applied and then how to see uh, a growth of... It was really, really the heart under it is, is what's in our heart in 1 Peter 2.9 of that it's a royal priesthood, that we all contain the kingdom of God inside us and the outworking of that. And I was reading this stuff and going, it's very intellectual, um, which I thought, oh, this would be neat. Then I found out he was at a conference down in Gold Coast and now I had a mate down in Port Macquarie who was hanging out with this guy and was inputting into his life. So I was like, this, this guy's really neat. He's going to be in my backyard. I'm going to go meet him and we're going to develop this awesome spiritual relationship and he's just going to fall in love with me. I'm going to fall in love with him and, and I'm going to fly down to Melbourne and hang out. He's going to fly up here and it'd just be great. And Brendan's laughing because he came with me. And, and so I, I dragged Brendan down with me um, to go on this conference and, and, and that's one of the things that, that I do. I, I drag people with me to stuff. And you just hang out with me and, and do things. Then you got a lot of guys know you've just hung out with me and done stuff for a lot. And and so I'm there and, and something happened in the thing. I think he was preaching and then he gave an opportunity. Oh, go find someone and give a prophecy over them. So me being me, I go up and find him and sit myself down next to him. And we start chatting and, and, and talking and, and praying for each other. And um, I'll tell you what, he's a great, great teacher, and I, I really enjoy him as a teacher. I went to another conference with him and, and taught a lot, and I, will, I gain a lot from him apostolically because he's doing something. He's grabbed hold of some of the stuff that Bethel's done apostolically and putting it into an Australian context, um, which I see very few people doing. And, and so for me, that's as a pastor and a leader of a church, that's really important to see what that looks like in an Australian context. Now, he's doing it different because it's in a in a um, high-educated Melbourne context, we're in a, a Logan City. So what it looks like here is, is different to there and still a lot different. Um, I, well, I'm not saying that we're low-educated or anything. I'm just saying he's in Melbourne, we're in Logan. It's, it's a different environment. What the kingdom looks like here is different there. Um, poor choice of words, sorry. Um, oh, I've hung out with a bunch of, bunch of pastors hanging out with him. Fantastic. And they said, what's he talking about? We can't understand it because of the the language uh, being used, me being a psych and, and loving things theological, I resonate with it, but I can't preach it because I don't want to. Anyway, so I sat down next to him and, and chatted for a while and we prayed for each other and I, I left that interaction going, there is nothing going on here at all. There is, there is no fatherhood. I don't sense anything of the kingdom of God yet. That's what I went running after and, and chasing after at the time. Um, but he's definitely a teacher in my life. And I'm happy for him to be that and sit there, but there's nothing ever going to be anything deeper. Well, there might be at some point, but I don't think there is um, within that. Um, yeah. So that's the whole thing of, of choosing. But I, I guess the whole thing is identifying. I, I like the story of Ruth and, and Boaz, um, even though it's this intimate, intimate thing that ends up. But Boaz identified something in, in Ruth and Ruth and Boaz, and they sort of hung out together long enough to see what developed there into something deeper. 
but they're in proximity to each other. Sorry, Nelson. You, you can talk now. Yeah, no, no, I was going to ask you a question. Oh, no. um, so, obviously, Paul makes the distinction between a teacher and a father, and mm -hmm. then he asks them to imitate him. So, what would you say is unique about Paul that makes him a father and not a teacher? A father to them? Yeah. So, he's not saying that to everyone. He's saying this specifically yeah. to the Corinthians. So, what has he done? Was he done? Well, he he um he led them to Jesus in the first place. With these guys, he was the one that introduced them to Jesus, and so that's significant there. So some people, that's one of the things that relationship builds a trust when you lead someone to Jesus. There's something of a re a responsibility, I guess, to grow your kids up. I know I got a new baby at home, and I got to take responsibility for actually seeing her grow up. I chose to do the things that brought her life, and so I guess in the spirit, yeah, yeah, you do things to to choose to do things to bring someone into Jesus and someone into life. Then there's some more responsibility that goes with that. That's what Paul's indicating there. Um, he goes on. There's one more verse. Um, For this reason, because I want you to imitate me, I've sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, whom is faithful in the Lord, and he will remind you of the way that. Of life in Christ Jesus, which I live, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every every church. So here, here Paul's actually creating like a grandparent role for himself, and sending in one of his other kids. And 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 but he sees something else unique, because what he's doing is setting Timothy up with a ministry. He identifies Timothy as his son. He says, "This is my child." He's not his dad. We know Timothy had a had a good Christian mother. Um, we also know that Timothy had a, a good father. Um, didn't really say anything about his faith, but we know it's not in, in the reality. Good father, but, but Paul identifies him and he set him up and set him up for success. Um, and that's the thing I think we haven't done well as the church in, in terms of, of parenting is set the, the children up for success in ministry um, and success in life. It doesn't necessarily have to be ministry we're talking here because these two are ministers. Um, but I don't believe it has to be someone that becomes necessarily a leader in the church. I think there's a lot greater stance in life than that. Scotty, do you think um, you can have long-distance spiritual parent-parents parents relationship? Do you think a relationship like that will last long distance? Uh, Paul and distance. Timothy, did. But yep. then they came back in proximity and then went and then back in proximity and went. Just like any relationship. I mean, let's look at um, romantic relationships. Like Once it goes long distance and stuff, a lot of them fail. Some maintain long-distance relationships, but the amount... I mean, we've just gone through a whole thing in our nation in the last decade where we moved from regional workplace, so you worked where you lived, to a lot of um, FIFO, a lot of fly-in, fly-out workers. Um, are you laughing at FIFO? No? Okay. <laughs> you, someone passed wind over there, and okay. Um, that's why we're laughing. Yeah, so, so fly in, fly out workers. And the result of that was, was a lot of relationship breakdown, a lot of depression and a lot of uh, and things. So I really think for a relationship, there needs to be some level of proximity. It's just like apostolically. Like, I can have a, like, um, for instance, like I, I take an apostolic voice from, from Bethel, but apostolically into me and into our church, I've got some guys who I can actually relate with and touch base with and see and, know me and relate into me that can pull me up and direct me personally and they're a lot more powerfully apostolically than 
a church on the other side of the planet. I was going to say, I think relationship-wise, it's like any relationship. If you've got an established relationship, they can last long distance. I've got friends that I knew from youth and, well, basically in Sydney, mm. live in Gosford now. I can rock up on their doorstep any time. Yeah. I've got a bed for the night. I've got a meal. I don't have to ask. There isn't, and if they come up here, there's no need to ask, oh, can you put me up? Bye, Natalie. Because we've Good got night, that, that closeness of relationship. Good night, I, might, I might not even speak to them for two or three years. But I know yeah, I can turn up two or three years lately. Yes, it's got to be established first. Well, yeah, it we've got it technology hard. now that makes it easier. Yeah. Like Skype and all that sort of stuff, FaceTime. and. I guess like what I was kind of focusing on the most there was the intimacy because, you know... I'll, yeah can intimacy survive long distance? Like, you would need to have that face-to-face. Yeah, yeah, but then he sends Timothy to them. So I guess that's why I'm asking. How can you imitate someone you can't see? No, that's right. So that was the purpose of my question. Will it it survive without that intimacy? Yeah, yeah, come on. I went um, to Vanuatu to, um, oh. for year seven, in year seven, uh, Calvary, Calvary Christian College. Um, and um, when I was over there, um, I was like making a church, I mean not a church, a library, um, because they had like no books whatsoever there. Mm. So like... We built the library, painted it and everything, put up shelves. And um, it was like, it was on a Sunday and we still weren't done. And um, so we had to go to church and ask, like, ask the priest if we can, like, have that day to, so we can work. Um, we finally finished it that day and we had the, we finally finished it on that day and we um, got the rest of the day off and then, I went around in the village just to um, meet everyone. And one of my friends that I made there, um, they um, showed me their house and like around the village. Mm -hmm. And and he showed me his brothers and sisters and mum and father. And like everyone in Vanuatu is mostly Christian. And, like, I like to talk to them about that. Um, we had, like, um, it was, like, uh, some time in, um, sometime that afternoon when I, when I talked. No, you keep talking normally. I'll hold it for you. When I talked to, um, okay. when I talked to his mum and, um, like, it was the first time I went overseas by myself, like, with, with my parents, without mm. my parents. And I was pretty anxious at the time. Like I, I didn't know what was what was gonna happen. Mm. So uh, I got up the courage to like talk to my friends, mum, and like because I was so scared that I was like all alone because it was like two weeks I was out there. Um, I I I was out with my like mum and sisters and brothers and. My dad and I miss them so much mm. that I just wanted to talk with her, mm. and I feel like that she's my spiritual parent. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it developed a relationship, yeah. and a bond being yeah. there, and God did something inside that was yeah. different inside her than every other woman inside that yeah. village. 
Yeah. Awesome, man. Love that you get that. That's fantastic. We might um get Scott there. Just something you said, Scotty, about how, as a parent, you want your children to surpass you. Mm. In John fourteen twelve, Jesus says, Most yeah. assuredly, I say to you, he that believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works. So even Jesus wanted us to surpass him and yeah. what he did on this earth. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's, it. that's the best example I could ever think of to show what the relationship should end up being like. Yeah. Lord, we just, um, I know there's something inside this and I don't really feel like I've definitely unpacked it all yet, um, nor do I feel like I'm actually scratching the surface in full effectiveness of it, Lord, but I, I definitely want to see um, more and more people in our nation come to know you and, and grow in you and be mature in you, Lord, your, your desire and that you tell us in Scripture is that we'd all grow up into, that we wouldn't, wouldn't just come and believe, but we'd grow up into maturity and to mature, we need some heads and wisdom that's gone before us. So, Lord, I just ask you to be gracious enough in us to um, give us the affection to love those coming behind us and love a generation coming behind us and also give us the grace and to love a generation that's gone before us and to be imitators and to be teachable and to be honouring. And there's something about the fact that you want to set up generations working together that's so much more powerful than um, generations doing it on their own. And so, Lord, we ask you to keep unpacking this with us and teaching this with us and, and helping us live this because we want to stem the tide of the stats in our nation and, and just see young people just flock to the kingdom. And so uh, we just want to be loving that. And, yeah, just give ourselves to you on this purpose, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for chatting. That's awesome. Happy Mother's Day.